Hello, Rich Bowlers here. A big thank you for downloading the Dad Mindset Podcast, where we explore different perspectives on fatherhood with the aim of becoming less bad at being a dad. This episode, I interview Ben Shaw. Ben is a man of many hats, from jazz pianist and permaculture consultant to stay-at-home dad. This conversation covers a range of topics from traveling, gardening, and inspiring kids to love music. I hope you enjoy this interview with Ben. Ben Shaw, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having us, Rich. No, it's great that you could come around and, and hang out. Hang out on a Friday afternoon with a new garden. Yes. What do you think? I'm pretty impressed. <laughs> I, I am. It's all Sarah. <laughs> it's not me. Ah, uh, you won't know yourselves. What a space. Yep. We're pretty, uh, yeah. I think the timing worked out really well because um, we've been trying to tinker around for ages Finally pulled the pin and um, got some help in to clear all the cooch out because you know how bad cooch is. Yes. <clears throat> Tell us a bit about cooch, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> Every gardener's nightmare, I think, Rich. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think uh, whenever I'm talking to any clients or doing workshops on gardening, uh, cooch invariably comes up in the conversation and... Hey, you're designed to keep it out of your garden. It's pretty important. And yeah, it's put into every garden at its inception. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, don't, as a lawn, brilliant. But uh, no, you don't really want it around your veggies. Yeah. So you've clearly eliminated that. <laughs> well, we've done our best. It'll probably come creeping under the, under the fence yeah. in the next uh, well, year or two. That's right. If the world ends, you know, cooch will still be somewhere. Cooch will win. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so tell us a bit about your background ben because obviously gardening is a big big part of that isn't it yeah so i suppose the gardening uh probably started about 10 years ago really uh, i used to garden you know as a kid with mum and dad uh in the veggie garden and just you know mowing lawns and raking up leaves and that sort of gardening uh but when we moved to geelong uh yeah i did a permaculture course uh, permaculture design course which was in Geelong and uh, yeah it all sort of took off from there we just bought a house um, and yeah I just started gardening in a different way I suppose um, after I did that course and sort of set me on a different path. Right and how would you describe permaculture? Oh the big question. Is it contentious? <laughs> no it's just a big uh, yeah my wife actually often reminds me that I, I can never answer this question clearly. Uh, I mean, for, for me, the big, the, the big word is design, actually. So permaculture design. So I think um, permaculture is a great way for people to design things, whether it's gardens, their house, workplaces, you know, communities. Um, if, we can, if we design them well, we can have better better spaces, better places, better communities. Um, so permaculture is sort of that vehicle, you know, a framework where you can uh, make better decisions, better design choices. You know, looking at your garden as an example, that's just one example of good design, I think. Um, but you can apply that to, you know, really good bike paths in a, in a small town or a city or... Um, I mean, there's design affects everything, really. 
So permaculture is, I think, a good framework. Well, I've found it really helpful, not just in a garden sense. I think a lot of people think about permaculture and automatically go to fruit trees and gardens. and um, But we've used it just from a home setting. Um, we've, we've designed our house and retrofitted our house with the help of permaculture, just using spaces better. How would you begin to do that, Ben? I think it's just a lot of through observation, um, you know, really trying to understand if you put something in that space, is, is that the best place for it? Whether it's from a home point of view, it's whether that's tanks, whether that's chook pan or solar panels. Like, you know, if you put solar panels in the wrong spot, they might not work as well. You know, if it's on the wrong, you know, facing out to the east, it might not work as well, obviously. But um, it's the same with where you put a fruit tree or, you know, it's, I think permaculture is good because you, you delve a bit deeper and it's a bit more, there's a bit more thinking behind each decision that you make, whether it's in a garden or, uh, you know, how you're retrofitting your house or, you know, it's, it's a broad thing. So it's not that easy to explain sometimes. But. No, it's, I, I totally <laughs> get it. I think um, for us, it was definitely a case of, Figuring out the roots that we walk in the garden regularly, yes, and making sure that those are it's it's almost like I've heard people talk about when you look at like a cattle track, the way the yep. cattle yep. like contour around hills and things like that. Don't try and build a footpath yep. contrary to that, yeah, because it just won't work. It's it's like when you go to some places and they've built a a quadrangle or something, and there's these square sort of footpaths yep. going around the quadrangle, but everyone walks right diagonally across the grass yeah. and just creates this <laughs> like solid mud path. Yeah, and you're yeah. like, that's where the path should be because that's the natural flow. <laughs> that's right, and that's that's through observation, isn't it? And yeah, and you could play, apply that to a city. Like where where are all our trains? Where are all our train tracks or our roads? Or you know, they're all like you take Melbourne probably not that well designed because you know there's that central point whereas if you go to london or paris and you jump on a train it comes every two minutes like that's good design that's a good system happening and that's not by luck is it um it's, so it's evolved in a lot of those cases evolved and i think going forward like i think it's just being smart with how we how we build things um yeah like you take all the new estates, it seems all back to front to me. Whereas I put all the houses in and then it's like one entry point to a new estate. Shouldn't you build the roads first? Do you know what I mean, Rich? It's, yeah, 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 yeah. It just makes no see, sense. See how me. people use the space and then build around it in the places where people congregate and things like that. Or, pl- or plan for it and then build it. <laughs> Crazy idea, Ben. <laughs> oh, it's revolutionary, mate. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, gardening has played a big part over the last 10 years what about your parents were they keen on gardening yeah we so i grew up in uh wood end north north of melbourne um old house big old trees you know we had a veggie garden um yeah dad was probably more interested in in the veggies mum's a really good cook um but yeah a productive garden but quite a big garden so yeah i out of you know i've got two brothers and had a sister and out of all all of us i was probably the one that was a bit more drawn to being in the garden you know i often just walked around around the house and climbed trees and 
you know, I was happy to mow the lawns and happy to rake and rake the leaves up and, you know, get, get into the compost. So, yeah, I grew, grew up, yeah, in quite a, um, yeah, I was out in the garden a lot, I suppose. Yeah. That was, that was your room, Ben's, Ben's room, outdoors. Yeah, I think, well, sport was a big thing as well when we were kids. So our driveway was a full court basketball court, you know, with backboards hanging off these big old old trees and uh but we're outside a lot as kids yeah whether but a lot of sport but yeah the garden was a big part as well yeah Mm. and you mentioned sport yeah i mean that's continued now hasn't it uh yeah i've just well actually no I've, i've sort of got back into sport probably the last five years through basketball yeah um through the amc yeah 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 which has been brilliant um although you know, I might be getting old, Rich, because I did my ankle six months ago. But I suppose my... it depends how quickly you heal. <laughs> That's usually a sign as to how old we're getting. Yeah, well, I healed a bit slower. So, uh, but I had my comeback game the other night, so I did did okay. Ah, um, nice. But yeah, so but growing up, sport was I was everything really. So I did sports management actually, as you know, when I uh, came out of school and went to uni. So that was. I struggled through commerce and, uh, but yeah, I got a sports management degree, which subsequently I haven't used. <laughs> yeah, what was it that you wanted to do when you were thinking of leaving? Well, leaving school. Um, well, I think you know by that stage I wasn't going to be a professional sportsman. wasn't going to open the batting for Australia, Rich, unfortunately. But uh, I, um, it's funny looking back. I think. You know, there, there's that emphasis on where you're going to earn money. You know, that that's always there. Um, and my parents were really supportive and it's like, well, you love sport, but how are you going to make a living out of that? So that's where, you know, sport and management sort of collided and I thought, okay, I'll give this a, give this a go. But, yeah, looking back, oh, who's to say? Yeah, it's not the wrong decision, but um, it just wasn't for me. So, and so, what did you go into after university? Travel, <laughs> right? <laughs> Tell us a bit about that. Yeah, so yeah, I got a job out of uni and saved and took off around the world for a year, basically. Um, yeah, just like a lot of kids do, or kids that are lucky, I suppose, to do it. Um, yeah, went to America and Europe and worked overseas and. It was great, you know, twenty-year-old kid sort of just seeing different cultures and a lot of Western cultures. They rich, but still to see other countries and uh, it was a great experience. And I, was, I think that sort of my whole family did a lot of travel. So I'm the youngest of you know our family, so sort of followed in their footsteps and it was something I really wanted to do. And yeah, I've done quite a bit of travel since. So. What, what were your favourite spots? Any standouts? Uh, actually, I really enjoyed America, a lot of the national parks. Yeah, Yellowstone and Yosemite and I, me and a mate just bought a car at the Grand Canyon and an old Chevy and, and drove for three months. So <laughs> it was it was pretty cool, <laughs> you know. Um, but yeah, even back then, I was always been drawn to nature, I suppose, Rich. Um, not so much a city person. 
I like cities now and then, but if I when I'm traveling, I'm much more interested in getting away from. I don't know, getting away from people actually. <laughs> Which sounds. Well, I feel very honest. But you can't get out with me. <laughs> but you know what I mean. Yeah. 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 I tend to travel. I like to. Yeah, get into the wilderness. So. Yeah. Yeah. And so, when did you and Kaz uh, meet up? So we met. Uh, in 2001 so what's that 18 years ago wow yeah so uh we met and then she went traveling as well actually went across to egypt just after september 11 which was quite an quite an experience um and then she came back and yeah rest is history rich (laughs) (laughs) yeah and you've got two daughters now that's right can you tell us a bit about them ben yeah so Maeve's the oldest she's uh six six years old and clara's three soon to be four so yeah um yeah beautiful little little girls and quite quite different um yeah and i'm lucky enough to be a stay-at-home dad at the moment and uh sort of get to hang around with a with a three-year-old most of my time yeah well what does the day look like at the moment oh it's you know wake up get Get the oldest off to school and make sure the lunches are all sorted and get the fire going. I suppose it's there's there's a bit of structure there. Like there's just I was talking to a mate about it the other day actually, and we were talking about how stuff can become quite mundane as a you know when you you know like this week I just have not wanted to cook and I love cooking and do most of the cooking, but this week I was just like. I just want to cook once for like three days. So I think we've had spag bowl for, you know, on rotation each night. But, um, yeah, it's interesting how it ebbs and flows. Um, but, yeah, essentially, you know, if the weather's good, we'll, we'll get out and about. Clara has to put up with me wanting to be in the garden quite a bit. So She's becoming a dab hand at gardening. Yeah, yeah. We are out doing the compost and chickens for about an hour yesterday and, is she really loving it? She loves it. Yeah, it's interesting actually. She she probably loves it more than Maeve. Um, she she's quite happy to just sort of get lost in the garden more so than what Maeve is. And I don't know if that's because she's uh, almost being forced into it. Because I just you know I love getting out in the garden. It's like we're getting out there. So do you think it's because she's just copying you? Because you know you're obviously spending a lot of time together now, and that's what you do. And she's just modelling. Yeah, I think so. And it's interesting, you sort of get out in the garden and often it takes a bit of time to, you know, slowly get into just being in the garden. And it's interesting, like even yesterday after about half an hour, she just started doing her own thing. It wasn't that dad, dad sort of, you know, that can can be at the start. It was just like, she just took herself off and collected flowers and it's quite lovely. Um, so yeah, quite quite different kids. May still loves the garden, but Probably in a different way. Yeah. 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 And when did you decide to be a stay-at-home dad? Because I must add that you, you are consulting as well, aren't you? It, it's quite a fortunate position that you can actually do work around being a stay-at-home dad. Yeah, yeah. So I think a year ago I finished up in my old job and uh, we just oh, changed things around a bit with my wife, um, Karen, and it just allowed us to go, oh, now's a good time to maybe start a little business, which we did. Um, and, yeah, so I go around to people's houses and, yeah, do some consultation, help people 
you know, design and grow food. Um, but I also do workshops. Um, so that education side's been really fun as well. Yeah, and but, get rave reviews, I might add. Rave reviews. <laughs> Not sure about that. <laughs> Lucy's <laughs> loving it. <laughs> Says you're doing a great job. Yeah, right. Yep. I was at Lucy's garden this morning. There was it was a cracking day to, day to felt like spring today. Hmm. Yeah, couple of days early. Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, I'm pretty happy for that. To be honest, <laughs> it's been a long yeah, winter. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think everyone's pretty keen to get into some warmer weather. Yeah, yeah. And you mentioned the weather. What sort of activities do you do with the girls apart from gardening? Yeah, so oh, we're pretty active, um, and. Kez, my wife, she's probably the driver there. I'm, I'm more likely to go, let's just hang out in the garden, but she'll be like, nah, we're on our bikes. So uh, we do a lot of bike riding. Um, yeah, we go, we live near near the Barwon River, so I suppose from a young age, the girls, we've just done a lot of bike riding. Yeah. Um, we love getting down to the beach. We'll, yeah, if the weather's good, not much wind, we'll pretty much head Head down the beach, down your way or, you know, across to point at us or wherever it is. Um, so I think we're we're pretty active in that sense yeah. with the girls, um, which is good. Yeah. And um, you do quite a lot of travel as well, don't you? Lots yeah, of we've been doing a lot of camping. So, yeah, I think we went camping with you guys recently and, oh, we just love, love getting out and I think... The, you can see the effect it has on the kids. We we see a real difference, especially with Maeve, our oldest now that she started school. Like when she's camping or out out in nature, there's this real uh, I don't know calmness almost that comes across kids when they're they're just lost in whether it's building sandcastles or you know whatever it is you know climbing a tree. It's quite lovely to watch. Yeah. Yeah. And for us to actually have the time to watch. Yes. Which I think you can get caught up in chores and everything when you're at home. Yeah. And you're not actually as present present as you'd like to be. And when you're camping, there's nothing else to do. No. So it's just, oh, be with the family. Crazy. (laughs) Just just watch and enjoy. Yeah. So, yeah, we do. You know, they're they're pretty young kids, so it's it's not hardcore to four-wheel driving or anything like that. It's just, you know, pack up the tent and head to the Grampians or, you know, down the beach. So we've been doing a lot of small trips, I suppose. Um, yeah, which has been good fun. Now, uh, are you okay to talk about what's coming up? Well, yeah, just don't tell anyone. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry, no one's going to hear. <laughs> um, just between you and me, Ben. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't don't tell Karen's boss. No, uh, <laughs> Uh, no, we are looking at doing a bit of extended travel, yeah, next year. So uh, timing might might just be just be right. I think um, we were planning on waiting for the kids to be a smidgen older, but um, no, we think it's just a a good time to head off. Actually, and you know, it's that 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 itch that's there, Rich. Uh, you can ignore it for only, you know. <laughs> the travel <laughs> so, bug. Yeah, yeah. Well, we've both... You, you, we've, can, you can mask the symptoms, but you can never truly cure it. <laughs> no, no, exactly. And we've both been lucky enough to, you know, we travelled to South America for a year. Um, that was 2011. That was the last big trip 
but before then we traveled around australia uh before kids for a year as well yeah and it was just yeah just such a great experience to have that extended period of time and we got we've got so much out of both trips that we've sort of always said you know we're going to do this if we ever have kids we'll do it with the kids one day yeah um yeah so pretty excited about potentially heading off next year yeah oh, awesome or even if it's the year after just yeah we'll, an extended trip sounds amazing yeah yeah and to you know we we've always prioritized that we do that um and make it work so how you do that you know rent rent our house out or how whatever it takes really yeah to, to get that time so and there's a real draw at the moment just to we don't really care where we go it's just more who you with? Who were we with in time and being in nature? Yeah. Off phones. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds amazing. <laughs> off, off computers. <laughs> yeah. You know. I like it. <laughs> just sleeping, eating. <laughs> Sleep, what, waking up with the sun, going to bed with the... Yeah, yeah. The, well, the, the sunset. We literally did that when we went around Australia more so. You know, in bed at eight, up at six. That's just what, what we did. Yeah. And when you're outdoors all day, you just actually feel a lot more ready for bed as soon as the sun goes down. Yeah. It's yep. it's like you haven't that you are in sync with what's going on. It's like, oh yeah, light goes down, we'll maybe use torches for an hour and then yeah, it's it's well past bedtime. That's yeah. Hit the hit the yep. pillow. Well I'm I'm usually pretty early to bed, especially with kids, as you know, Rich, but I don't know if you go to bed late but I'll be in bed at about nine, nine thirty. I don't even have a book, just like head on pillow. <laughs> You've got a forty five degree trip switch. <laughs> it's like it sort of cuts out at four. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I hear people that, you know, the head hits the pillow and they can't go to sleep. I'm I'm not one of those. So. <laughs> <laughs> Very fortunate. Yeah, I am. At the moment anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Oh great. And with the um the, the trip then, so planning to go around Australia. Any particular spots that you've visited before that you definitely want to take the kids to? Oh, not really. We've we've decided we'll probably head up the east coast um, and just sort of meander. Like, there's no, oh, we have to go there, or uh, we're really trying to steer away from that. It's just like if a place takes our fancy and we've got enough food to last us, we'll we'll stay a week. Or I think, and I think we're planning on hopefully visiting. Um, some other people doing some pretty cool stuff, whether it's growing food or... Uh, so we'll probably do a bit of woofing or work away. And uh, what's woofing? So for those that haven't heard of it. Yeah, so it's willing workers on organic farms. It's a worldwide uh, setup where basically people travelling can exchange their services, slave labour, no, <laughs> for food and, yeah, place to place to sleep. Um yeah, where I, where I last worked, we, we had lots of woofers from all over the world that would come and stay and learn about, you know, permaculture or organic gardening or, you know, building with natural materials. Like, it's quite broad. Yeah. Um, did but, you do any of that when you were travelling as well, yourself? Yeah, yeah, we did. Yeah, around Australia, but more so in South America, actually. Yeah, we did. What was that like? Oh, a bit hit and miss. <laughs> <laughs> we... Uh, we actually left, where were we? We're in uh, Ecuador and we teed up a woofing experience in Argentina. So a couple of bus rides, T 
two nights traveling. Wow. Got to the place, pretty poorly organized, and then we were taken out to this property, and it was a dilapidated house, no roof. No one was there. <laughs> no roof. No roof. <laughs> That's usually a, a prerequisite. <laughs> and we're like, what? what's going on here? Um, and we... Yeah, mozzies everywhere. It was a bit of a debacle. And then the next day, the police showed up and they said, you guys are in danger. <laughs> They're like, you're going to get robbed or something's going to happen because, you know, um, we're just in the wrong spot. So they, they literally took us in the my first trip in a divvy van, uh, Rich, um, <laughs> uh, back to Buenos Aires and uh, we had to reset. So that wasn't a great experience, but we... Yeah, I've had some great experiences doing woofing. Any in particular that stand out? Actually, the first one we did in Argentina was a, a ripper. We actually met two really lovely Aussie guys. One was a musician, and we just played music every night with a fire. And he was a professional musician, so he had, he'd bought a charango, I think it's called, like this, like a small banjo or you know, an Argentinian instrument or South American instrument. And um, it was just nice to play music around a fire and just talk to people from all over the world. And, you know, we built built a few garden beds, but it was more, you know, it was the start of a big trip. And we met and we travelled with them for about a month and a half, actually, and still catch up with them to this day. Oh, great. They've moved up to out, out of Byron Bay. So, yeah. Yeah. So that was... You know, the actual experience of building some garden beds, you know, that wasn't that interesting, but we met some very like-minded people. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh. Which is why I travel, isn't it? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's it's a way of really almost just keying into making sure that you create an environment where you're going to be like-minded people when you're woofing. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, I mean, it's changed quite a bit now. Like, work away, for example, you can look up people and there's reviews and you know work away is that a website or something yeah it's a different it's similar i suppose to wolfing uh essentially it's people that are doing all sorts of different projects gardening um building you know out of straw bale or it's people that need help yeah with interesting projects yeah yeah essentially but the beauty of this site is you can uh you can do your homework and take a bit more of the risk out. So I suppose with kids, uh, that's pretty important for us if we're going to be yeah. travelling. We we don't want to put ourselves in a situation which is diabolical. Like Where you get put in a divvy van. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in yeah. Bo- heading to Buenos yeah, Aires. Yeah. yeah. So so that that will be interesting. like to show the kids, you know, some farms, animals and... Just different setups, people doing different things and interesting stuff. So hugely different experiences. Yeah, exactly. So, and in between that, you know, plonk ourselves on a beach for a week and just be. That sounds horrible. It's, it's <laughs> going to be terrible. Yeah. Now you <laughs> mentioned music. Yep. Music's played a huge part in your life, hasn't it, Ben? Yeah, it has, Rich. Yeah, we're lucky enough to grow up uh, with a piano in the house. Mum's a piano. Oh. She's a she was a teacher, um, classically trained, um, and Dad's always had a love of music. He can't play an instrument, but he loves jazz actually. So right. two very different influences in the house in terms of what we listen to, um, which I think, yeah, 
I was lucky to have that sort of spread of music growing up. Uh, mum taught me for a while and then, you know, I got sick of mum teaching me, I think, and uh, had various teachers over the years. And and then, actually, I went travelling. I had a big going away party, Rich. It's quite funny. Um, I was like, I'm done with this. I'm, I'm going to Perth. See, so, you know, had a big party with my friends. How, hang on, how old were you? <laughs> I was... About 24. Yeah. So I had a big party um, at mum and dad's and, yeah, you might not see me for a couple of years. I'm I'm going across to Perth and then who knows. Anyway, I went across to Perth and I started the Bibulum track, which is a track from Perth down to Albany or Albany. Yeah. Depending where you're from. Um, I did a week of that, got incredibly homesick, rang up mum and dad, said, I'm coming home. (laughs) (laughs) So my mates uh, constantly ribbed me about the the party that I had for a one-week uh, trip. Um, but when I got back, I was like, you know, what am I going to do? Um, and someone put me onto it that uh, there was a course, a jazz course, and, you know, you could do it sort of part-time. Um, so I, I went in and auditioned and played a couple of tunes and... Uh, I got a call back saying, oh, you, you've got through. Do you want to do a full-time diploma, two-year diploma? And it was just, a, you know, those windows of life where it was like, well, I'm not, I'm not traveling the world <laughs> like I was planning to. Um, so I went, yeah, I'll do it. And it was one of the best things I've ever done. It was two years of some amazing teachers and it was performance. So I was just constantly playing and, you know, playing piano for two years constantly. Um, and I'd never done jazz. I'd never been taught jazz, um, but it was a jazz diploma. <laughs> so wow, it was a, quite an experience. Yeah. So you must have done really well just to get in. Then they must have uh, been pretty impressed. I must have. Yeah, I don't know. Or they just had no no applicants, <laughs> <laughs> and then it filled up. They didn't meet their quota. Yeah, <laughs> no, yeah. no, I'm sure that's not the case. <laughs> no. What did I play? I played a um, a Joplin, yeah, ragtime piece, which is quite relatively difficult to play yeah um so they must have thought i've got enough enough chops yeah enough chops to to pass maybe rich (laughs) great and so that would have been the influence from your dad that's right yeah yeah so yeah i did the course and and then i started teaching actually after that so that was my first experience you know in education or teaching i was teaching kids for yeah i taught for about two years in melbourne so yeah which was... Uh, that must have been challenging. It was challenging, actually. Yeah, and it was a good experience because I just realised... Because I actually, my whole family are basically teachers. Dad was a principal and mum was a teacher and both my brothers teachers. Not not now. Um, so I thought, maybe I, maybe I should be a teacher. <laughs> um, but yeah, that experience sort of... Yeah, cemented that... Maybe I'm not meant to teach kids. Just didn't have the patience. Gotcha. Which, yeah. Which is fine. But you, you teach adults now, don't you? That's right. Yeah. And I think I'd like to teach kids about gardening, actually. I think it's a different, very different to teaching an individual to play chopsticks. Um, it's Yeah, it's, it's a totally different experience for a kid. You know, often the kids I was teaching piano were there because their parents had put them in there and not motivated um so then i started teaching adults and 
very different motivation. You know, they're paying paying for an experience, and they they want to learn, and it's yeah, it's a lot easier. Yeah, motivated, motivating, exactly. What sort of stuff would you play for yourself? Ah, oh, so now I'm just like I I write a lot of music. I I call it tinkering. It's just, I mean, for me, you know, you and I were talking about meditation before. I don't meditate at all, but I I do actually in that I play the piano and I garden. So for me, that's where I can just stop and my mind is, you know. Occupied. Exactly. You know, it's just, it's something that flows. And when you're really into whether it's gardening or playing a playing something on the piano you can lose yourself and that's just a lovely thing and that's my outlet i suppose so yeah so i've been writing a little bit of music recording bits and pieces on a crappy old phone um but i'd like to do something more with it it's just about getting organized and time and all of that <laughs> yeah i'm sure you'll make time sometime soon yeah well Maybe I need your help there, Rich. <laughs> I can definitely um, offer enthusiasm. Enthusiasm, <laughs> yeah. Enthusiasm and pizza. Yep. And the yeah, odd, we'll have to the the, get, the, get the piano around here when we have pizza, mate. I've got a piano accordion. Oh, even better. <laughs> yeah, I bought one in Argentina yeah. and travelled with it. Great instrument to travel with. Really? <laughs> Isn't oh, it's it a bloody bit noisy. <laughs> yeah. No, this is a little one. Right. Yeah, yeah, like a, a kid's one. Um, but yeah. It's amazing. It's like an instrument that's used a lot over there. Um, you wouldn't see it in Australia, really. It's just sort of... But yeah, we'd just yeah, get it out with guitars and it was brilliant. Oh, you're on. It was a bit, it was <laughs> that a, sounds great. It was a bit of a pain in the ass actually carrying the thing. You know, it wasn't huge, but it's just but it another, had, another it thing to travel It had a big payoff, you know, when you got around the campfire. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, and that's where I met that other music, musician. Yeah, just having that with us. So I think when we, if we travel around Australia next year, there will definitely be an instrument coming with us, double bass or something. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's uh, something that I definitely wanted to pick your brains on with Maeve and Clara. What are your thoughts around teaching them the piano or teaching them a musical instrument? What's what's going to be your approach, or what have you already started doing? Yeah, so we've started. Well, with Maeve, and she's she loves music. She loves singing. Um, she loves dancing. Quite, yeah. She's she's there. Um, and I've started to, I started to try and give her piano lessons, and it was just like this. This isn't working. You know, there was there was a lot of pushback. <laughs> just had flashbacks to when you were first. I was like, yeah, yeah. And it's like, oh, how do we change this up? So we. We imagined a piano teacher called Ben. So I would literally go outside at 4.30, knock on the door, and it's like, Ben, the piano teacher's here. So I'd rock up and go, <laughs> G'day, Maeve. Have you been practicing this way? Are you enjoying blah, blah, blah? And she went along with it. And it worked for a few months, Rich. <laughs> and then, no, it doesn't work anymore. So, so maybe you needed a different name. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Elton John's here. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Elton. Yeah. Elton's yeah. turned up for your lesson. Yeah. Billy next week. And then, yeah. <laughs> um, so, but after that experience, it's like, hang on. How, how can we do this? Because I really want to be involved in, obviously, you know, just experiencing 
music with the kids in some some way and she she just loves singing so i was so i took a different angle and i, I was like well do you want to just write a song you know this can be your song and we'll write it together and you can sing it so we've started doing that and we'll write a song and it's not every week sometimes she'll go no nah, i don't want to do, do anything but we've probably written about five or six songs that she's come up with and i sort of put the chords around it and sort of you know structure the song and and it's been such a better experience than me trying to say this is c this is g you know this is a major chord or whatever it is it's too structured and yeah she, I, and she's only you know she's six years old uh, so it's been a and i think you know if i reflect on when i was learning as a kid i just like sort of tinkering away on the piano I'd making sounds making sounds and not having some adult buddy you know say oh your wrists aren't in the right spot or you know sort of telling you what to do yeah so autonomy that's right that's right so i think all good teachers are creative you know whatever whatever you're teaching if you can build especially with kids like you can lose them pretty quickly if you can Build the environment. That's right. That's just going to nurture them to be inspired. Yeah. I think you, you're 50% of the way there. That's right. Exactly. So, so we'll see. She's, um, yeah, and my, my littlest, we just, we just sing a lot of songs. You know, Clara and I will just, you know, or just grab another instrument and just play with it. And yeah. And would that be most days at the weekends? No, it's just. Oh, it's pretty organic, just when it happens, really. Yeah, but the musical instruments will be obviously They're lying around. around. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, um, we bought we bought an instrument for Maeve the other day, a ukulele, and I don't think she's played it, you know, just not interested. But that's okay. Yes. It's going to be the, exactly, yeah. yeah. And you hear lots of stories of kids coming to music, you know, when they're older. And, yeah, there's nothing worse than trying to force, for me, you know, I was trying to, you know, for me to sit down and go, you've got to learn Baba black sheep. It's just not <laughs> happening. I just don't don't want yeah. that to happen. And if it means that she has to go and get taught by another teacher, then great. You know, it'd be great if I can be involved. But Yeah. And maybe it's better to outsource that because you don't want to be associated with the, the torment that a lot of people say they go through when they're forced to learn a musical instrument. Yeah. And I think maybe... Yeah, there's a lot of teaching which is quite structured and, you know. Do you think it's been done the right way or do you reckon it's just been done that way, time immemorial? immemorial? Oh, well, you could you could talk about the education system that's, you know, it's just been done that way, so that's that's how we do it. You know, reading and writing is, that's that's the most important thing. Well, is it, Rich? I don't think so. I think music's just as important as reading or maths. I think being outside is just as important. So in terms of uh, the piano, uh, I'm sure there's really bad ways to teach that people are still doing, and it doesn't work. Like the, the school I taught at in Melbourne, there were kids that really disliked exams, and you just they, there was anxiety there shouldn't be anxiety when you're playing music. That's that's just ridiculous. But the guy that owned the music school was he was adamant. It's like, no, this is how they get better. This is how they learn. And I said, well, I, c I don't want to do this 
to the poor kid. Like, he he just wants to play. He just wants to write his own songs. No, no, there's a structure. They've got to do this. There's A, M, E, B, blah, blah, blah. To the point where I couldn't do it anymore, Richard. Yeah. I just said, oh, I'm sorry. This isn't for me. Yeah. And that's a that's a very Mainstream, dogmatic yeah. approach to teaching. And that can be applied on a broader sense to our education system, I think, is that, no, this is how it's been done. Well, does it have to be that way? Yeah. No. No. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, I was agreeing with you yeah, in the <laughs> no, question. No, no, no. 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 Yeah. Actually, looking, Ben, no, it does have to be Rich, done that way. <laughs> yeah. You're not listening. No. Yeah. <laughs> so with, with then Maven Clara, are you thinking just obviously lots of musical instruments around the house, just you guys loving them, obviously seeing you guys love music, just providing the the atmosphere of music and letting them come to it very much a, a yeah. pull. Yeah, I think so. I think trying to force, you know, I think parents are pretty good at forcing, you know, what they maybe enjoyed when they were kids or when they... Or that they or didn't did get the that, chance to do. Well, that's, I bet you heard that a lot. Yeah, that's a big motivation. Or what? What's, what are the other parents doing? Uh, you know, Maeve's doing netball, basketball, cricket and soccer at the moment. It's like, yeah, you know, she's yeah. not. But yeah. that's a terrible motivation, isn't it? No, just just listening to your kids and going, you know, Maeve just loves singing. So, I mean, we took her to um, The Sound of Music in Geelong the other day and, you know, just wide-eyed, amazing, you know, three hours of, you know, great singing and... Fantastical performance. Yeah, yeah, it was brilliant. Um, So I think exposing the kids to different types of music, different cultures, you know... um, I think that's quite important, but yeah, but there's yeah, there's plenty of instruments around, but it's not a set thing. It's not Wednesday mornings we're going to do music, or yeah, it's quite an organic sort of approach. Yeah, I was reading on um, Derek Sivers' uh, website the other day that he actually t- has been taking his his um, son to lots of orchestras and things like that. Yeah, so that's something definitely I've been inspired to do as well. You know, really yep. step outside of the things that we would normally go to. Yeah. But we have been into the past and really enjoyed it. It yep. just hasn't become a mainstream part of our lives yet. Sure. But I, I totally want to give those opportunities to the kids to see if they actually like that stuff. Yeah. Well, just prod the box and say, hey, let's let's spread this out and see what things yep. the, the kids re- really like and do more of those things. Yeah. Well, I mean, after the sound of music, like there's a there's a lot going on in Geelong actually. There's some good stuff, and uh, there was an Australian violinist playing in in Geelong, um, doing Vivaldi, uh, the Four Seasons. And I'd always wanted to go see someone play the Four Seasons, and it just happened to be in Geelong. And I took Maeve. Um, it was a different experience to the Sound of Music, but she was still. You know, I can imagine it being quite a different experience. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's two hours of classical music yeah. and it was... But, you know, she, she's still talking about it, both experiences. So that exposure, I mean, we're lucky to go and see it, but um, I think that's really important. Wait, wait, wait on a second, Ben. I, I love the fact that you did... So I'm going to backtrack because <laughs> I want to ask a different question. Yeah, yeah. So you just finished talking about how... You took Maeve to The Sound of Music. Yep. And she loved it. I want to cut the stuff out that I talked about because I was rubbish. I just want to go straight <laughs> to 
So, so Ben, I mean, Maeve loved The Sound of Music. Yeah. Have you taken it to any other sort of musical performances? Um, not so much live. Oh, we've done a bit of live music, but this is it's sort of, I mean, she's six years old, so it's almost at an age where she can sort of cope with, you know, a couple of hours of sitting there. Sitting still. Sitting still right. is the main thing, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Although Maeve's, you know... She was glued to the chair with sound of music. It was really, yeah, and it's quite an intense experience. I think you, you just imagine, like, as a six-year-old, it's hard to put yourself in that headspace. I suppose, yeah. like, I was just sitting there going, "Wow, this is great music." And, yeah, and then I look over and she, her eyes—she wrapped, wrapped, and a little bit. Oh, and then there's a scary scene. So kids, well, Maeve takes everything on. She's quite face value. Yeah. So when it got to the bit where it was a bit scary. The escape. She was terrified. And it's like that conversation where they're just actors and it's just a story, but no. She's like, no, they're actually real people. I can see them. (laughs) It's not like TV (laughs) week, so it's not real. It's like, no, no, I can see them. They're real people. What's going to happen to Marie? (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, no, we're probably live music's just, just starting to creep in now, which is amazing. Right. Yeah. And, um, yeah, music, well, it's going to be a big part, I think, of her life. Yeah. That was Sound of Music. You you mentioned um, a performance earlier, though, didn't you? For Valdi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, well, I I think that's one of the best classical pieces of, well, you know, the series of music that came from that four seasons. And it it was amazing to to go and see that and talk about, because it talks about summer, was talks it just, about autumn? Yeah. Talks, yeah, talks about the four seasons yeah. and Vivaldi and what what he was trying to portray in the music, and it was interesting explaining that to a six year old, and she and and you listen to the music, so it's like, well, there's the thunder, and there's the lightning, and there's you know this conversation was yeah. happening, and to be honest, I'd never really when I listen to the music, I'm just enjoying it, and I didn't really go, oh. That's what Vivaldi was trying to do 300 years ago, or however long ago, yeah. long ago it was. Um, and it was just, the performance was just amazing. Like an Australian lady who's world-renowned, just, you know, virtuosic. It was, yeah, it was brilliant. Um, was it just the two of you that went? Yeah, yeah. Oh, she must have loved that. I think so. But I think she loves Sound of Music more because we watched the movie and, you know, that's on high rotation. You know, we must have watched that 400 times. <laughs> yeah. That and Sing and, um, yeah, Mary Poppins. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, you got all the classics there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah it's none of the new stuff. <laughs> so going back to writing the song, I-, I wanted to ask you, can you explain the process that you and Maeve have gone through, actually, when she's written a song? What so, comes first? Often, well, it's her just singing with some lyrics and it's, random stuff yeah you know it's i woke up this morning and the sky was blue or whatever it is so she sings sings this and then i say oh that that sounds great maybe we put some music with that so i'll sit down at the piano and i'll sort of guide it a little bit um to make it a smidgen more musical (laughs) (laughs) no disrespect to Maeve, but you can imagine it's you you got to guide that a little bit um and then it's a collaboration. It's yeah, yeah. It's a collaboration. Um, maybe it's me just taking over. I don't know. <laughs> uh, no, then we just sit down and I say, "Oh, do you want to 
sing about anything else in the song and she'll add bits and pieces and then yeah then we'll get a phone out and record it and i'll sing some of it and we'll well before we record we'll all right we got to we got to learn it so we'll sing it together and then we sit down and um record it and then we'll you know we're playing them the other night and it's amazing how she remembers the words and how the song goes so uh, it's a good experience. It sounds fantastic. I want to hear the songs. Yeah, well, I have to ask speak, Maeve. speak to yeah, Maeve's the manager. Agent. Yeah, speak to Maeve, the manager. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Not yet. <laughs> no, it's it's a, it's lovely to watch, actually. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And the rest of the family, do they? I mean, um, do they know that Maeve is writing her own songs and stuff, or is it kind of just between you guys? No, it's more more between us. Yeah, at the moment. Um, but you know, as a, as a music teacher, she's got a very good ear. Um, you know, maybe I'm being a dad here, but you know, when I taught music, you could often tell the the kids that just were never really going to be that musical. I think it's something that you are actually. Oh, you think it's actually innate? It's yeah, I do actually. Yeah. Do you think it's a, it's, it's innate for, for the lucky few? But then it is something that can be developed. Uh, when if well, someone sure. if someone really like gets into it and applies themselves. Yeah, but even then, I think I think it's just growing up with a lot of music. You know, you hear of people that are music often just grow up with a lot of music, whether it's being played by their parents or they listen a lot. Yeah, and I remember as a parent. So it's a real chief sort of learning style, like a, they're highly audio. Yes, driven rather yep. than visual. And as a parent, I I sing all the time, Rich. I must be a pain in the bum. <laughs> but, you know, I'll sing about the pancakes that we're cooking. Like <laughs> yeah. I, from from the get go, as you know, when the kids were babies, I I sang a lot. Yeah. You know, in the shower with them, or in the bath, or putting them to bed. Music's always been a a big part of that. And I I think they like that. You know, it's that soothing voice. Yeah. Um, and to this day, I still sing. You know, all the time. Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> I'm funny a, you say. I'm a great singer. <laughs> no, no, I, I totally believe. It. It's funny you say the sound of music because Edelweiss is a song I always sing to the kids. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. it's the classic sort of bedtime story, uh, bedtime song. <laughs> bedtime song. Yeah, yeah. Somewhere over the rainbow. You know, that was on high rotation for a, for a while. Which so. version? Ah. Oh. My version. Really. Okay, great. <laughs> That's another version I want to hear. Yeah, 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 yeah. So. Mm. So, moving forward then, with music, is there any sort of advice you'd have for parents? I mean, coming from being a music teacher, what would you say to parents that are either interested in providing the environment for their kids, Mm -hmm. or if they are actually, you know, there's a modicum of interest in the kids wanting to play piano, what advice would you have for them? I think it's just being about aware about where your kid is at that point of time um you know giving them the opportunity whether it's to hear music or play music with other kids or um i mean i i don't think you can ever force music upon kids like that's that's where there's pushback that kids will come to it if they really love it i think um so yeah being just being pretty aware of and and not rushing it. Like, they don't have to get into piano lessons at five years. And, you know, piano's a great 
instrument to start with, but it doesn't have to be the, you know, if a kid hears a violin and wants to learn the violin, then great, you know, give them the opportunity. Whatever floats their boat. And it's it's one of those things, you know, kids will they'll be interested with it for six months and then it's like, nah, not interested anymore. But that doesn't mean they won't come back to it. Yeah. So if it's if it's always there, it's like veggies, you know, on the plate. It's like, okay, there's broccoli on the table. You've got to try a little bit. They might not always go for it, but eventually they're going to love it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, that, it's a matter of time. I don't know if that's a good analogy. It, it, it's, it, it's when, not if. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I think patience and and probably a recognition that if your kid doesn't want to learn the piano and, and is never going to learn the piano, that's okay because they'll do something else that, yeah. that's you know speaks to them. And that might be singing. That might be playing the drums in a rock and roll band. Like, who cares what it is? It's about supporting that and probably giving the opportunity to experience those things. So if you can get to live performances or, you know, playing playing music around the campfire when we go camping. Yeah. You know, how good's that? So we'll, we'll have to take some instruments to the next camping uh, trip. Yeah. Definitely. And pizza night. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> There's a, it takes on a whole new, uh, what's the word? You know, when there's live music, there's a, there's a real buzz, I and think. It, and I think you're right, because I was just imagining what it'd be like with the people that we normally have pizza nights with. Yep. If everyone just brought an instrument next time, it'd be so good. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be, you know, the best music you've ever heard. There's just something nice about Hearing someone play a guitar. And yeah, and playing together. Yeah, exactly. And the kids seeing that as well. Yeah. So when I'm going, going back to when I met this this guy in Argentina, it was just we played for a month every night around a campfire and the music that just came out was so free and flowing. It was just, you know, you were just doing it. <laughs> did, did your jazz training play into that quite a lot yeah definitely. Or, or obviously having listened to a lot of jazz because that's very much what jazz is about isn't it improvisation yeah improvise yeah it gives you those two years gave me the framework to be able to improvise and just and i've always had a pretty good ear in music so yeah. i can jump you know, in I'll, jump out and support hear a song and know the melody and be able to just go with it so and he was the same level i suppose so we sort of just and we liked sort of playing the same music yeah if that makes sense you know you can't sort of script that sort of stuff it just sort of happened yeah um i wish we had recorded some of the music we played because it was was so much fun you know (laughs) two hours of this weird little guitar and a piano accordion and and him singing as well yeah yeah so so it was good and now he's doing music therapy actually so there you go yeah and what would that look like? Good question. Uh, I think have you, it's, do, you, do you know? Like, have you? I think it's. Well, he's. Well, it can it can take on various roles, I suppose, but it's essentially whether it's working with kids or or whoever you're working with, it's using merit music as a way to, you know, express help. feelings and things like that. Yeah, just help people through through, you know, scenarios and. I think music, yeah, going back to us, going back to what we're teaching in schools, there's there's a lot of positives from music, and we should be prioritising. 
I mean, at our school, we don't have a music teacher, which worries me a little bit, if yeah. I'm, I'm going to be honest. Um, yeah, so. Sounds like a role for yourself, Ben. Too busy gardening, Rich. <laughs> <laughs> it's another role. <laughs> I don't want to keep you too long because I know you've got to get back for, for dinner. But um, No, no, I don't have to get back. <laughs> okay, well, let's get another beer then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> okay, hang on a sec. So, Ben, gardening's a big part of your life now, but um, there's also, and well, in permaculture, but there's the environmental side of things as well, aren't there, that's, uh, you know, playing on your mind a great deal these days. Can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, well, I suppose when I did the permaculture course, I was, uh, yeah, even back then, a lot of anxiety, you know, what's what's going on in the world and... Where do I fit into that? That I suppose, um, and the course was great because it sort of said, "Well, you can do something in your backyard, literally," which is what what we did. Um, and yeah, I think that was an important time because it sort of clarified, you know, you you don't need to change the world. Or, you know, you you're looking for big solutions, and that that course really showed showed me that no what you can do what you can control is what you're what you're doing every day yeah what you eat you know how you get to work whether you drive a car or whether you blah 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 um that's where your control is start there which is what we did essentially so we sort of turned our house around in the last 10 years to be super productive environmentally it's it's really energy efficient. So we've put all these things in practice. Um, and I think that was, that's been great because it's like, well, with it, with everything that's happening in the world, at least we're having a crack and that keeps you sane maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Because I think going back 10 years, I was probably pretty worried and angry probably as well about, you know, just, just the greed and, all things that we hear every day, all the things that are wrong in the world. Yeah. And going, but a lot of whinging and it's like, oh, geez, this is, this is hopeless. Why mm. are they doing that? The Why? overwhelm. Yes. Yep. And that's pretty, you know, it's, it's valid, but it doesn't get you anywhere. Especially if you keep going down that rabbit warren. Yeah. It's, it's not healthy. So, I mean, just putting in a garden in that sense is very healthy um, and just gets you started. So it's interesting, once I started doing that, you know, fast forward 10 years and now people are coming to our garden to learn a little bit about how they might be able to do something in their garden. So they're doing their little thing to maybe mitigate climate change because it's, you know, there's so much doom and gloom, so much anxiety and apathy. You know, we've got to start doing stuff. So that's what I'm doing. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I hope, hope I'm doing yeah. <laughs> And for those people that are interested in growing more food at home, what would be your advice? Um, take some time to think about where you're going to grow things and what you want to grow and what's achievable. And then once you sort of have a bit of a framework on what you want or, or dream, I suppose, then start. Cause you, Don't wait for perfect. No, exactly. Uh, 
dream big but start small, it's, it's, you know, it sounds a little bit cliche, but it's so true. Until you actually put a plant in the ground and have a, have a crack, nothing happens. You know, you can procrastinate. Actually, a lot of people that I see in their gardens, that very process plays out. It's like, it's just too overwhelming, too big. Where do I start? Yeah. But once you've made that decision, I'm going to do it, and you guys, you know, you, you've sort of gone through that process as well, I suppose, in this garden. It's like, you bite the bullet and go, no, we're doing it. And you've done it all in one go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah. <laughs> it was a bit of overwhelm for a while. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, just just getting started. And- yeah. Any Any sort of tips and hacks? Is it literally a case of saying to yourself, right, I'm going to put some seeds in today. That's it. We're going to... Oh, no, I think the biggest biggest one for me is getting your soil right. I mean, that if you don't have decent soil, then, you know... You're fighting an uphill battle. You are, yeah, yep. And then... How, you, how, do, how do you go about getting the soil right, though? What are the ways oh, so, to... So we basically build our soil... Oh, there's a few different methods, but we've got, a, we've got chickens, composting systems, worm farms, and we do a lot of layering in the garden. So we're constantly... Like making a lasagna. Lasagna, yeah. Right. Lasagna. Compost lasagna. Compost lasagna. So not a, I don't do much digging in the garden. It's essentially just... That's my kind of garden. Yeah, lazy gardening. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) Hashtag lazy gardening. Yeah. Um, No, and it works. You know, I've, you know, I've spent 10 years in my garden observing how the plants, you know, respond and they are responding well. So I'm doing something right. And that's also, so it's soil for me, water, obviously. Like you got the basics, sun and water and whatever. But I think also having um, a lot of diversity in your garden and attracting all the beneficial uh, things above and below the ground. So if you've got that, you're you're on the way a little bit. Um, What advice would you have for a family if they wanted to grow veggies in their garden, but they'd never done it before, but they, you know, they, they thought the kids might really enjoy it. Yeah. So I think, um, getting a few different things into the, into that space. So incorporating, especially with kids, incorporating things that they're going to be interested in. So something that can flower, but it's also functional. So you might put calendula in, for example. Calendula? Calendula. I've never heard of that. Oh, it's beautiful. I'll bring you some plants. Ah, oh, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think it's about don't don't just have a, a square, like let's say it's a potato box. Don't just put in one plant and go, okay, let's hope for the best and get some watering. Like use the space smartly. So on the corners you can, you can grow stuff that grows over the edges, like a rosemary or prostate rosemary as an example. Now that's going to bring bees in. You let it go to flower. It's um, it's it's providing a function. That's one tiny bit of the garden, and then moving around there. So if your kids really love strawberries, chuck in a few strawberries. Chuck in a few lettuces. Chuck like depending on the season, obviously, get a range of things and things that you can, yeah, like I said before, sort of pick again. Um, if you can get, so you mean get some herbs in there as well? Yeah, um, definitely. Like the rosemary and so on. Yeah, yeah. Don't and don't plant in rows. Like uh, I think it's we've been trained well <laughs> in monoculture. Yes. So don't do that. Exactly. I think it's that 
Maybe it's the human tendency to to want order, impose order, yeah, impose. natural system, exactly. Uh, try <laughs> it's and get, a divine right. <laughs> try and get away from that. Um, yeah, and you don't. You know, you might need one silver beet plant. Like silver beet's a great plant. You can just keep picking, keep picking. You know, cause lettuce. You can just take the outer leaves and they'll keep growing. So maybe not planting. You know, you might get a punnet and you've got twelve cause lettuce you might not need those all those so sacrifice a few and just try just pick and, the best ones out that's right yeah put the others in the compost so getting you know in even in small spaces you can get get a lot of reward um so yeah that's probably the and then you'd, you'd have regular rewards as well then wouldn't you if you've got a very diverse selection yeah well stuff. that's that's the beauty of herbs they're they're always giving you know throughout the year you know strawberries come come and go but if you you know, if you put every all your eggs in one basket, it's you're not going to have too much success. I yeah. think you know, try to stage things so you're always getting something from the garden. Yeah, will give you a bit more motivation to maybe start a new garden or you know start a garden at work or you know somewhere else in the community. There's there's plenty of space out there. Bit of gorilla garden. Gorilla garden, yeah. <laughs> totally. I I gorilla garden next door. <laughs> Would you just throw some lettuce seeds over no. the fence? <laughs> uh, bor- borage, actually. <laughs> or if you're from France, borage. Um, <laughs> no, I I put in uh, trees, actually. Right. Yeah, yeah. And the neighbour has no idea about this until now. No, they just pop, <laughs> popped up. These beautiful olive trees have just found their way into, you know, a screening fence. So, he'll be fine. <laughs> Fantastic. He's from Belgium. Can you can I'll, you move, just have a few? Yeah, can you move next door to us? <laughs> <laughs> well, I do. I do want to take over the whole garden. Actually, I look at it and just go. Oh, I, I'm constantly uh, walking or riding around, and I'll see a space and just go. Why aren't we growing stuff there? Yeah. And there's places that are doing it, as you know, Rich. Yeah. Like like you you visited... Um, Top I 100. Could, yeah. I can never pronounce it. Yeah, I'm sure I've just uh, <laughs> totally... <laughs> butchered it. <laughs> butchered it, yeah. <laughs> but, but they totally did that. They they had like, if they say, an old age, old age pensioner that couldn't actually do the gardening. They could yep. let the space out to someone that desperately wanted to, but lived in a flat. That's right. And then they would pay ground rent in broccoli. Yep. And it's not just that exchange of, you know, space and food. It's suddenly people are meeting each other. Because we're, I think, you know, you and I have discussed this, this culture we're living in where, you know, people drive through their, you know, their garage, go into the house and don't even see people on the street. Like that, when you, when you bring food into the equation, it forces you to actually drop food off, knock on the door, you know, drop off a jar of marmalade that you, that you made from some grapefruits you scored or whatever. That, that opens up, you know community it does yeah and it's happened on our street you know i see it every day and it's so good when the kids take stuff over to a neighbor that's like next level and yeah. the look on their face like oh yeah wow this yep. is amazing thanks for bringing this and the kids are kind of kind of chuffed with themselves that's right yeah and it happens on our like we've got a three-year-old next door archie and he just comes and drops they drop all their scraps off so they haven't got chickens or a compost system but I need I need some more stuff in the yeah, compost. Chooks so can get through it. They'll get through it, <laughs> and he comes over. It's a pretty good deal for them, you know. They'll drop off the scraps and go home with six beautiful eggs. But <laughs> but the look on his face, yeah, you know, it's like. And I and I said to him yesterday, actually, I caught up and I said, you know, what you're doing, you're you're making those eggs, and his eyes just lit up. And he's like, yeah, 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 I'm doing that. <laughs> yeah. 
And who, you know, it's a, it, it's it's real. It's tangible for them. Yeah. You know, it's a very different experience from, you know, going down the supermarket and getting half a dozen eggs in a packet. In a packet, so disconnected. So they're so. Yeah, I'm pretty passionate about what we can learn through food, and how it can make make our communities so much better and healthier. Yeah, I just had a flashback actually <laughs> when we were living in Adelaide. The girls had grown up on the farm with loads of chooks around and stuff. Yep. And uh, this couple of that, well, they had two friends that we were playing with at the park, and then and they said, "Oh, we're looking after the chooks at school during the holidays. Do you want to come and have a look at the chooks?" Yeah. And I think they thought that the girls had never seen chooks before. Yeah. And so we went along, and it was great. We went to feed the chooks. Yeah. And. <laughs> Annie, I think it was, walked into the pen yep. with this girl to feed them. Yeah. And the girl was sort of spreading the food and staying quite back from the chooks. And Annie was wearing this princess costume. <laughs> she just walked straight up. And she was low to the ground at this stage. Just yeah. one arm shot out. Bang! <laughs> grabbed the chook, shoved it under one arm. And then with the other arm, she bang! Picked up the other chook and, and wrestled it under the other arm. She was walking, <laughs> walking around with a chook under each arm. <laughs> She's a ninja when it came yeah, to right. catching chooks. And this other girl looks on in abject horror <laughs> what are you doing <laughs> like, and i think it was and the, then she got a machete out. <laughs> <laughs> well luckily it didn't it didn't it get didn't that end. real no, no, no. yeah dinner tonight yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> but it was great and just thinking oh yeah the girls are pretty comfy around animals that's a tick <laughs> yeah and that's a that's a great thing isn't it yeah so, oh, and to have that in your garden as well that's great ben yeah 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 clara was just just holding a chook for about 10 minutes like a pet, yeah, like a pet, yeah. Well, they're they're our pets because we don't have a dog. Yeah, and um, way more pro- uh, productive than a dog. <laughs> Dogs dig gardens. <laughs> yeah, but we're we're there's a few puppies on our street, so we're slowly. Uh, I think we'll get a dog, dog soon. Right, you can see just see the effect that that a dog has on on kids and yeah. Oh, and adults as well. Yeah, it's amazing. Was I saying that? I, I could sit and watch chucks for ages. Yeah. There's something really nice about just. <laughs> Yeah, having them wander around. Oh, same, same with bees, actually. Yeah, yeah. We're just having, yeah. They're all pets, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Yep. So the more you can have, yeah, bees. That's that's on the on the agenda. On the but, cards. But at the moment, chooks chooks work. Yeah. Yeah. So, but for soil, uh, they're just the best. Yeah. Absolutely. So so going back to the soil then as well. So you want to get your veggies in. What advice would you have for building your sort of your compost lasagna? Ah, oh, similar to what you do in a, a veg, vegetable garden. Um, it's just getting your your browns to greens. Those browns rates. being sort of like straw and stuff. Yeah, cardboard paper. Oh, so you yeah. literally just put cardboard down. Yeah, well, get some paper, get I some mean, carbon down. Yeah, exactly, carbon to nitrogen. So, in our like newspapers is usually the first layer of our compost mm-hmm. with chicken poo. Yeah, and then it's just whatever I've got on hand, and layering that. So would you put like grass cuttings on top yep. of that, maybe? Totally. And yep. then what would you put on top of that? Oh, and you pull out the broccoli that's finished. That can go in. Oh, there. the whole the whole plant that you've sort of harvested. Yeah, but chop it up a bit, and so the smaller things are chopped up, the quicker it is. So leaves, you might have a, you know, a big elm tree in your house. Collect the leaves. I'm collecting stuff. Constantly, like whether it's seaweed, leaves, grass clippings. I get grass clippings from neighbours. And you just add it as another layer? I just throw throw it in, whether it's onto a garden bed or into the compost or for the chickens. It all has to go somewhere. Yeah. 
and then I just shift. Once it's composted, doesn't have to be fully composted, then it's distributed around the garden. Mm. So if you can do it in the one spot and not have to move it, that's perfect. Yeah, as that's, in the bed. You just put it straight on the bed exactly. where, where you're going to grow the stuff. Exactly. And that's that's good design. And that, that goes back to being a lazy gardener, doesn't it? You totally, know, Don't go double handling <laughs> if you can at all avoid it. Yep. Lazy gardener is... Uh, yeah, I've got a good... A happy gardener. A happy, yeah, I've got a good mate. Uh, did you ever meet Ollie? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So he's he's a chicken farmer now. Yeah. Regenerative chicken. Tasmania. Yeah, yeah. He's he's doing great things down there. But uh, we often laugh about... Yeah, we we almost started a business called The Lazy Gardener, but someone, you know, in this day and age, it's hard to hard to come up with something new. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but in all seriousness, you can... If you get your design right, you can be a lazy gardener. And I, looking at your garden now, Rich, you know, you've there is not one skerrig of cooch looking at me. So oh, no. <laughs> I reckon you can be a pretty lazy gardener uh, from now on. Hopefully won't have to cut too many lawns for the next few no, years. You'll just be picking fruit and not much really. Pick pick some fruit, prune, throw some seeds in, put yeah. some pizzas on. Good times. <laughs> Looking forward to it. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> You've made it. <laughs> yeah. Okay, work, our work here is done. <laughs> yeah. You've climbed the ladder, mate. <laughs> you, you know, I, I have a lot more respect for you guys now that I see this garden. <laughs> no, no, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you just got a pay rise and you, you're the manager of your business now. No, no, it doesn't uh, matter. A, a garden business. Is it? <laughs> no, it's all Sarah. I have to put it down. <laughs> so, uh, no, no, she's done a great job. Priority, priorities. The kids are going to absolutely have a ball out there. Yeah. So. And, and one of the things I I have loved watching is the kids. When, when we have had veggies in the garden, yeah. they'll just eat them straight out the garden. Like yeah. they'll eat broccoli raw. Yeah, and yeah. it's great. I remember yeah. pushing the the pram down the street with the the girls when they were much younger. Yeah, and they were both chomping on raw broccoli, and yeah. the neighbours were looking on in kind of a horror. <laughs> <laughs> what are they eating? <laughs> and uh, I was kind of proud. Yeah, you guys are doing high fives. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, no, our uh, Maeve berry season's coming up, Rich. So uh, Maeve climbs fences in our in our backyard to search out raspberries. And it's the best thing to watch. She's just, you know, she's like a monkey. Spider monkey. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and she just uh, comes back with a pun of, pun of raspberries. <laughs> uh, and, and, and big red lips. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's all I couldn't over. carry them all, so I, yeah. I, I found somewhere else to put them. Yeah. How many do you eat? <laughs> oh, only a couple. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like yeah. at the strawberry farm where you have to get weighed in or yeah. weighed out. <laughs> yeah, and they give you right. a token pun it <laughs> to, yeah, yeah, yeah. To, as an interim holding place <laughs> before you eat them. That's right. It's not a very good business model, is it? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> Unless they charge really high yeah, prices for yeah. their jams and stuff. 40 bucks a kilo for <laughs> strawberries. Yeah. No, we're pretty uh, pretty excited about the, uh, the, the the spring getting stuff in and, and then enjoying the summer. So we'll see how it goes. But I'm sure we'll be needing your help then. Well, I think um, the more people that see these sort of gardens, I don't know, it's, it's becoming trendy. Yeah. Maybe that's, you know, it's up there. It's with, the new that's black. what I want. Yeah, pizza oven, veggie patch, fruit trees. Not so much mowing. <laughs> here, here. Cheers <laughs> to that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, it's been loads of fun, Ben. Really appreciate you taking the time out to have a chat, and I look forward to when we can catch up again soon. Likewise.
So uh, is there anything you want to mention, any projects you're working with or anything like that that you want to give a shout out to or if anyone wants to get in touch with you? Um, if anyone needs help oh, if anyone designing wants, a veggie garden. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Well, Permaculture design. Yeah, if anyone wants to talk about, yeah, projects and growing more food, yeah, I'd love to, love to chat. I think, you know, ultimately I, I think the next step for me anyway is to getting involved in big urban food projects. So, you know, I've been talking to Sarah about this, you know, whether it's schools or workplaces, um, that's where I think the next few years are going to, that's where I'll be sort of heading down those rabbit warrens. So, um, yeah, if there's anyone out there who's who's pretty keen to do something, you know, big, because I think the more people, like something that's front and centre, and inspiring that's you know it's it's great to do it in a backyard but how good would it be in you know in a big at a school for example you yeah know, the whole school's edible yeah well you're already working with a whole bunch of schools aren't you yeah well, we've got one school in uh yeah in Torquay so with a bit of luck something comes from there where you know it's not just putting in a couple of square beds and a couple of fruit trees this is getting it into the curriculum you know so getting food music all these the real stuff yeah you know maths is great but you know let's let's think outside the box a little so yeah if anyone's got some ideas love to hear hear from them cool and how can they get in touch with you ben yeah so probably emails best rich um yeah so it's ben p shore at gmail.com well thanks for listening I hope you enjoyed that chat with Ben. Before you go, though, if you are enjoying the podcast, I'd really love it if you could take a minute or so to give it a review on whatever platform you consume your podcasts on. As always, if you have any questions or want to reach out to me, my email is rich at thedadmindset.com. That's all from me for now. Ben's kindly given me one of his compositions to play this episode out to. As always, I hope you have a great week. And in the meantime, enjoy this track by Ben Shaw.